This is Precious Roy, and the kids like to feed me hay. Hey, Precious, how about this elf hotel? Buy my horse dividers, suckers! All right. Alright, it's the Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 112, our 20th podcast episode. Hopefully, Wait, 112 um, is... No, sorry, it's 120, <laughs> one, oh, okay, yeah, 120, oh. yeah, math is hard. It's, it's not math. even our 120th episode, it's actually our 20th actual episode, but we've done other supplemental episodes. It's weird, I don't know, it's, it's a whole thing. Anyway... One more episode and we can drink. Yes, that's true. Oh. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, I'm joking. I'm drinking right now. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'm Adam, and with me always are my good friends from up north, uh, Richard and Roy. Good evening, everyone from the frozen wastelands of St. Louis, Missouri. That's uh, and uh, from the even farther north, frozen wastelands of Michigan. Uh, where uh, recreational marijuana has been legal for about uh, five days. Wow! So we just we're going to get a whole different Roy from here on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the uh, the day after the after we voted on it and it passed, I brought in brownies for uh, <laughs> for a snack at work. That yeah. Well, what's in these? That's fantastic. <laughs> I would have done that. Because uh, what, what's the line from Friends is like, are they special brownies? And she goes, not particularly, but I think they have pot in them. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's actually super cold down here in Mississippi. Uh, I've been having a fire for like a week in a row. It's it's exciting, you know. It's yeah, I gotta get my fireplace cleaned out. It's like what forty nine right now. Ooh, rough. Oh, no. oh my gosh, no. <laughs> we're gonna have a warming train later this week, and it's not gonna get that warm. So <laughs> we're dying down here. People are freezing to death as they go out to to get their um, mail. They're just keeling over. <laughs> anyway, uh, some uh, paperwork to take care of before we get started. Um, I've got a GoFundMe going for hosting for next year. I think I have to pay it in about two weeks. I'm asking for a measly $150. That is the domain name and hosting for a another year. And I am very excited to report that we have gotten $20 so far. 20 bucks. That was nice here, Mom. <laughs> No, but um, yeah, yeah. I was, I mean, that really, it does something for me. You know, I kind of just toss this out here. It's like, you know, I don't need it in the sense of like, if we don't get it, you know, oh, that's it, we're done. We had a good run. We did what we did, roughly twenty three episodes, twenty five episodes, and that was it. We couldn't get it. Not, not anything like that. But I, you know, I was just curious to see is like, do people like us enough? to toss us a little bit of money and um yeah and so yeah the 20 bucks it, it made my day man it made my day well you that's know? good it is did good you, to know that you're supported did you uh jump and dance around like when uh charlie brown dropped the nickel into lucy's can 
I did, yeah, actually. Uh, all I was right. Like, like, wow, this this <laughs> is freaking amazing. You know, I'm like, hey, you love what's the Sally Field thing? Oh God, I'm, I guess I'm old now. The you like me, you really really like me. Um, so yeah. So you know, yeah. So you didn't mention we have got a special going. You support us on Patreon. You can actually tweet at us and suggest things that you want to talk about. And if you don't support us on tw- Patreon, you can do that as well. We would love to hear from people. I, yeah, that's true. Uh, I actually do love hearing from listeners. Every once in a while, I'll, someone will, I, I know one personally or a couple. I, I know a few people personally, um, and they'll they'll talk to me about the show, and I always like talking about the show as well as whatever else we're talking about. I love tagging you in with like designers or whatever they're talking about stuff. Like, well, Richard over here would love that. <laughs> and you're just like, what? What am I? What? What conversation am I in the middle of now? And yeah, <laughs> he would love a copy of that. You should send him one. Absolutely, I would. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's the Patreon. I think we have a $500 level at $500 a month. You get to actually host it, and all three of us just become co-hosts. You know, <laughs> I'd, I'd do that for 500 a month. No problem. <laughs> I believe there's a case of beer in there somewhere, too, right? Yeah. Oh, man, right. man. Oh, dadgummit. Somebody is doing, um, and I'm going to stall while I try to find it. Somebody is actually doing that type of Kickstarter. It was something for the, they, they're raising, it's, it's another website or a podcast or something and they call it like raising money for ah it's we're not wizards it is the uh the at we're not wizards what are the oh yeah they are podcasts they are a uh, scottish podcast about board games rpgs and whatever anyway they are they're doing a kickstarter which i find hysterical for uh it's a biscuit fund <laughs> they they wanted four four hundred and forty four dollars or oh that's now. cookies in American right yes yeah. yes okay yes, yes. and it says, it's your mitts off my chocolate hot mouth <laughs> right uh, as as of this podcast and I'll post this in the show notes at chanceofgaming.com, you'll see it they have raised eight hundred and seventy six dollars so they are hundred and eighty six percent funded uh, says they can't think of any stretch goals. Uh, there will be unnecessary regular updates and potentially <laughs> custard creams for every backer. And so, yeah, this is just, yeah, I, I love this. It's like you could do a pound or for five pounds. Uh, I think for five pounds, you get like a, a logo badge for 44 pounds. You get your own dedicated special magical episode about anything. And they actually had seven people do that. Which I find fascinating. <laughs> uh, they had 150 with nobody, 313. Oh yeah, it's, I love the. They had the 899 pounds. It's uh, I'll work on your project, be it creation, ideas, testing, marketing, rule books, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So anyway, nobody did that, but it's just funny to me that they did that, and I'm like, wow, this is how I want to do my case of beer podcast. Uh, you know, my case of beer Kickstarter. It'll be awesome. <laughs> So there you go. You can link it in the show notes if you want to help them and get a little pen or or something. There you go. All right. The other thing I was doing is D&D Under the Tree. And it's hashtag D&D Under the Tree. And it's actually been a little bit successful. Uh, I had a friend in... Where is he? I think he's in D.C. or whatever. He decided to buy a couple of starter... uh, It's... Essentially, with D&D Under the Tree is I'm asking you to give a Dungeons & Dragons starter set 
to kids this Christmas. I'm kind of leaning on local stores, you know, like, hey, you bring in five or ten of them, and they'll hand them out to deserving children, and there you go. But what my friend did was he actually took them, wrapped them, and put, like, this whole card on them, and, like, left them in a park. So... Oh, uh, not really? exactly what I would do, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's got to be weird. The kid, some kid picks it up, brings it over to their parent. Look what I found there. They'll be like, oh, my God, it's a bomb. Yeah, this or, is not a letter bomb. Yeah. Or what Or what is it? You know, it's it's full of pornography or, or something. You know, I don't know. I'm, I, I'd be really afraid of stuff I found in parks. I, I would. You know, I don't know. But, it's hey, it's that's what he wants to do. That's what he did. So, hopefully what? some couple kids will have a magical time does it call it was it rule 34 of the internet yeah <laughs> if it exists there's porn of it right, so i'm right. sure i'm sure there's dnd porn somewhere oh yeah absolutely there's no doubt about that there's probably a subreddit for it <laughs> now i uh i did drop off five uh starters at one local store it's one of the smaller comic book stores on the opposite side of jackson in jackson mississippi there's also a record shop it's a pretty cool place called offbeat and uh, so I dropped off five over there, and then at my local store, I believe they are going to, I dropped ten, I bought ten from them, whereas what I'm asking you to do in D&D Under the Tree is buy them from Amazon because they're 12 bucks. Well, my local store was like, look, I'll sell them to you for 13 Is 13 is the best I can do. And I'm like, okay, I'll buy ten for you for, you know, for 13 at 13 bucks. And so I think he's going to start giving them away this week, I hope. So, and then we'll just see. I hope it grows and I've been itching for this whole like social media thing to take off with it. So, mm-hmm. I- I'm hoping once the stores start handing them out this week, you know, we'll we'll see that. We'll see some traction. So, anyway. So, we usually start the podcast off with uh what are you playing lately? And I know for me, I actually got to play like one board game. I didn't talk about this last time, I don't think. I get my days mixed up. Uh, but I played Risk Europe. I don't think I've talked about that yet. Anyway. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, it was a strange thing to go over uh, to my friend Chris's house, who's a huge board gamer, and see Risk Europe out. It was probably the last thing I would have expected to see out on the table to play. But yeah. And uh, him and another friend of mine were playing, and they, you know they were like, "Yeah, we've never really played Risk." And I'm like, "I played the shit out of Risk, you know, in um, in high school. You know, that's what got me into Axis and Allies, and what made me jump over into other board games, war games, miniature gaming. You know, it it all started with me for for Risk. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool game. That basically Risk is you have different types of units and they start small with the infantry and they go up to siege machines it's just more dice it's just a d6 system and uh, it's pretty simple and you just kind of move your guys around the map and try to conquer it and uh, risk europe is you conquer capitals you can win and they give you different bonuses and stuff like that so i would say it's it's a really good representation of risk uh, Chris said he picked it up because he it reminded him of Castle Risk, which was a game he wanted as a kid but did not get. I mean, there's so much of that going around, you know. 
the whole nostalgia. Yeah, we're all fueled from that. I was like, you know, Dad, God, I really wanted that GI Joe uh, aircraft carrier, but I never got it. But now I've got a real job, and I can get it and turn it to a coffee table, or something. But yeah, it influences our decisions. You know, that whole thing with nostalgia is like this reminds me of this, or you know, Restoration Games makes pretty yeah, good money off. That. Absolutely. I mean, there's every time I go into a game store, I look at Access and Allies longingly, and I, I look at it and I think. It's not going to be, you know, I have better games. It's not going to be as fun as I remember it was when I was a kid. But when I was a kid, that was the greatest game ever made. It is. That's, that's very true. It will definitely not be as satisfying as, you know, anything you're playing from like MMP or stuff like that. It's it's pretty simple. It is neat that, you know, it's, it's this whole, you, you know, you're doing World War II and you know, blah, 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 and it is, I, I guarantee it plays a lot faster than, like, Europe in Flames or, you know, stuff like that, but you know, it's still yeah. It's a pretty beefy game and especially, you know, they've got they've got versions of it now where there's a whole box for Europe and a whole box for the Pacific, and you can put them together and it takes up a huge table and it plays long, so it's, it's, it's not a lightweight game, but it's not you know, like I said, there, there are I have better games and uh, that'll definitely scratch any World War II itch, whether it's strategic or you know operational or whatever. So, yeah, I I think the only one I currently own was is Axis and Allies Europe, and uh, it it plays pretty quick and yeah, it was it's just fun. I will say when I played the original Axis and Allies in high school, it took a very long time to play. But because of the rules and the new version, it's a lot quicker because they added you can actually cap uh, capture India and uh, they've, they added like two or three other uh, capitals for you to capture. Whereas, OK. Yeah. You know, normally it was like, well, if you're the if you're the allies, you have to capture uh, uh, Berlin and Tokyo. Yeah. Whereas the Axis, it was like all you had to do was capture. I think it was two out of three, wasn't it? Yes, it was either Moscow, DC, or uh, London. Yeah. But yeah, they've changed that, so it plays a lot faster. Anyway, (laughs) the other thing was just this week, uh, Cruel Seas by Warlord Games, as I bring my box over here to look at, has released, and I'm super duper excited for this. I haven't even opened mine yet because I really want to do an unboxing video with it, and that's the 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 World War II coastal naval game. So did the, you get? Uh, you said you haven't opened yours, but did you get to play it at all? Uh, no, I okay. haven't. As far as I know, I I was the only one that picked it up day of. Um, it's yeah. Uh, I have such a terrible reputation in my local gaming <laughs> store. Look, the guys that run it love me because I just come in and just spend money and then leave. Uh, you know, I don't take up any space. You know, I'm, I'm the perfect customer. I come in, I dump tons of money, and I leave. Uh, but the, uh, the other guys that, like, that game there, they're kind of like, ah, oh, you know, it's like, we just got, you just got Flames of War off the ground, and now your stupid ADD has got you on this Cruel Seas thing, and, you know, and I'm, and they're still playing 40K and Age of Sigmar, and, you know, uh, I don't know, man. It's, it, for me, I'm, the, the way I look at it, look, if it interests you, it interests you. You know, you don't have to dump $2,000 into it if you don't want to. Just 
buy if you really like it, buy three ships and paint them up, and play it every now and then. And sure, you're probably not gonna get a game of it every single day the shop's open, but I mean, if you like it, you like it. Don't you know? Don't worry about that. Don't be ashamed of it. You know, or worry about. Uh, I don't know if I spend money on this. When will I play it? Did you I'm get? Fine. Did you get the starter set? I bought. Yeah, I bought the starter, which comes with. Um, Looks like it says ten ships. Yeah, I think it's six bad guys and four good guys. Or I could be wrong. The three plastic Vosper type ones and three type twos. And then two plastic E-boats, the S-38s, and two plastic S-100s. I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to play this was because I had... No, I don't know anything about this, and I've been reading Osprey books, and I find it fascinating that there was this whole, like, just brutal knife fight, like, fighting going on in the Channel Islands and stuff. Yeah. And pretty much everywhere, in, in the Mediterranean, over in the Pacific, you know, it's all these little ships. And you can actually field destroyers in this game. They're, uh, they're going to make them. They're going to be two feet long. <laughs> and uh, like if an average game is say a hundred points, a destroyer is worth two hundred points, and so it, they'll take up most of the thing. And they've already released like merchant ships for it, and it it just looks really cool. I really dig the scale and everything about it. I and I haven't heard, and granted I haven't played it, but I also haven't heard anybody like complain about it. Like oh no, this is terrible. I do not like this and blah blah blah. You know so. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping it's good. I think what I'm going to try to do is um, one of the guys that runs the shop, get him to actually just put my stuff together, put the ships together, and we'll do demos. I think that'll be easy to do. Just do it that way. Yeah, well, I definitely want to hear how it plays because I'm very, very interested in this one. So, All right, Roy, tell me about Eminent Domain. I do not like Eminent Domain. <laughs> so, Tell us how uh, you really feel. Well, I'm, I'm putting it on Front Street. <laughs> so uh, you may remember that this is one of the first games that got kickstarted back in the day. And um, so it is a card game that's a... Um, uh, it kind of has elements of Dominion. It has elements of uh, Race for the Galaxy. Uh, and that's on a, at the top level, it kind of feels like Race for the Galaxy. But I just I don't, I've never been a fan of this game. Uh, and so I, I I dutifully played through a couple of games of it and I just I don't understand it. Uh, so every turn you can play a card and take an action, which is optional. And then you choose a roll. So you play a card out of your hand and then draw a card out of the stack and so let's say if you have a research or you can you take a roll of, of research. So you draw a card out of the stack and then you add it with any other research cards in your hand and you can do a little thing with it. It just I don't know. It's um, have any either of you guys ever played Eminent Domain? I have not. <clears throat> I was okay. actually looking at the expansions um, here and I actually own I think it's Escalation. Mm -hmm. I have not played it. I got it because uh, I ordered something from uh, one of these online stores, and they were like, well, you can get this for $5 extra. And so I was like, okay, for 5 bucks, I'll give this game a shot. But, I, ah. yeah, I own Escalation, but haven't played it. 
Okay. So there's a Race for the Galaxy, which is a um, real grand game. And I like that one quite a bit. And this just there's so many things about eminent domain that just don't seem intuitive and are just hard to wrap my mind around. And I just I don't know. I don't like it. So so do you think it needs a better rule book or is it just not you just didn't grok it? The the mechanic of when I take a role, I'm going to take not something out of my hand, but out of the um the various stacks in front of me. So there's like, uh, there's colonize, there's warfare where I take a ship or um, research or produce trade. Um, so again, it feels like race for the galaxy sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, but so if I, if I say um, colonize, I take a colonized card out of the stack in front of me, the tableau that anybody can, can choose from. And, um, then I can take that colonized card along with any number of colonized cards that are that are in my hand, and use it to put towards a uh, colonizing a planet. Or I can also go after it militarily, and the different planets have different uh, uh, warfare and colonized values that you have to meet. And uh, some of the cards have some of the planets have icons on it that enhance what's in your hand, and um, I just I find that I end up with a handful of cards that I don't know what to do anything with, and I just I don't know. It's I've never been a fan of eminent domain, and I I tried to I tried to make it better, you know. I tried to to get better at it, or or you know find try to get get the groove to it, and I just have never have. And so I was, uh, I'm curious if uh, if anybody's played the expansions, if that kind of improves on gameplay or not but anyway so did you get that one from the game library no no it's uh we bought it oh okay, uh, okay. well that's so good yeah. <laughs> so, so i guess we'll be looking at your uh your board game geek cell page no <laughs> for, you know, and my wife likes it so I, I i play it you know because she likes it okay um you know we bring it out at game night so i've played three games of it in the past couple of weeks um, so I, th- I think I'm, I'm good for another six months. <laughs> so, um, then I played, uh, St. Petersburg. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I, was, I was pulling it up. Um, cause I thought it was a different one than what this one is. Who publishes this one? Uh, see, this is also a real grand game. Uh, so this is, you have, uh, there's, it plays over four different phases. Each turn has four different phases. So there's like a worker phase. And there's the shipbuilder, there's the um, the woodsman, there's the the weaver, or not the weaver, um, various workers that you can purchase. And so, like for a shipbuilder, will cost you twelve rubles, and it pays three. So you're you're at a a disadvantage as you as you put money into the shipbuilder to buy it, but then it gives you three every turn, and then. Um, your next shipbuilder will cost you one less that you buy. And so you're balancing having an income of money. And then the um, next phase is the building phase where you buy buildings that will give you victory points and in some cases money. And then the next phase is the noble phase where you can buy, um, let's say, a, um, uh, a foreman will give you so many victory points every turn. 
but it's it's a uh, it's a game that's it's mostly economic in nature. So you start with thirty rubles, and you tend to go th- like your your um, your income at the beginning just goes just about to zero, but you kind of kind of scrape your way back from that to uh, have enough income to buy the buildings and the upgrade cards. And um, so yeah, I, I do enjoy St. Petersburg. It's it's mostly an, an economic game. Uh, so it's about about money and managing your your incoming funds versus what you have to pay out. Um, so yeah, St. Petersburg. Now it it sounded a lot uh, a lot like it reminded me of um, Puerto Rico. Um, hmm. I don't know if you play. I don't, don't know if yeah, you played I have. that one, but okay. But yeah, just like you know, just kind of what I thought of with the different roles and stuff. Now, did you play the Z-Man version? No, this is the uh, the Rio Grande version of oh St. Petersburg. Yes, of St. Yeah. Petersburg. Okay. Yep. So yeah, you're yeah you have your um, your worker phase will give you money, and then your building phase will give you typically it's points, and sometimes there's money involved too. And then the fourth phase is an upgrade phase where it takes the cards can be one of the any other three phases, and it'll be an upgrade. Um, so there's yeah nothing really comes to mind but it'll um about what they do but uh it's it's various um yeah it's just various upgrade cards to the other cards so like you can go from the um uh what master of ceremonies to the to the czar and you're just you're you're kind of building up your points and money every turn so anyway st petersburg all right. And then I played Fire and Axe, a Viking saga. And uh, so it's it's set in Europe and um, the Mediterranean. And you there's various sagas that you flip up. And so like the, the, the first age sagas will be like Raid, Paris, and Bordeaux. So you send your, your Viking ship out and you can load it up with as many Vikings. You can load it up with... Uh, uh, there's five slots on the ship, and so you can load it up with a combination of, of Vikings and goods, and send it out to trade and pillage, and so you get various uh, victory points based on you know what city you're going after, and then if you complete the saga, then you get points for that too. Um, so it's a uh, it's kind of an exploration game. You you know you go around the the uh, northern Europe and and maybe you trade with this city and then you can if you trade with them the attack value goes down. So the tactic that I was using would be I'd sail into a port, trade with it, leave and come back with my axes and um, and attack because they're a little bit softer after you trade with them. Yeah, that's kind of like in Mage Knight where you. You go into the village and you get what you want from it, and then you burn it down. <laughs> so now, I, played... I love the I love the art direction on, on this game. I the the co- the cover has completely grabbed me uh, in, and I love just like the little Viking boats and stuff in it too. It looks pretty neat. Yeah. Who makes this one? Uh, I'm not sure. I it says IDW Games. Okay. This is a belong to a friend of mine. 
Ah, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, this cool. one, I've seen a miniature market on, well, they've got like their, their stuff out that's kind of the deal of the day stuff. So I've seen this one pretty cheap at miniature market. I've looked at it a few times. I've never played it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it plays through three ages. And so the third age sagas would be like Sack, uh, Raid Constantinople, which is quite a haul for, for your, yeah. your ship. There's also wind gauge in it too, which I forgot to mention. It, that um, so you have these rune cards that do special things. Like um, uh, one was uh, attack from the rear, so that if you have a settlement in a region, that uh, any other city in that region that you raid, you get a bonus on because they're coming overland and coming in the back door. Um, so you play these rune cards, you can move the wind gauge around. So there's it's uh, it's zero zero plus one and minus one and it's a disc that spins, and every time you play a rune card, you can move the wind gauge one space, to make it maybe a little bit easier to sail in the North Sea, because it's real tough to sail in the North Sea. If you sail too far, then you have a navigation accident, and you lose some goods or lose a Viking, and so you kind of want to fiddle around with that that wind gauge to get it so you're um, you're sailing in the North Sea or the Eastern Sea or whatever is uh, most um, advantageous to you. And I say Eastern Sea. There's they they kind of play a little fast and loose with the um, with the map. So there's rivers that go. You can sail down the Danube and get as far as I don't know. But anyway, you can go all the way uh, around Europe, which is kind of like I say uh, is not uh, geographically accurate. But you can get from Norway all the way around to Rome without uh, going around France. So because you're going you down the river. Can you fall off? Like the, <laughs> the just fall off? Because I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they believed then, but maybe not. Because you know they ended up everywhere. But yeah, it just kind of makes you wonder. That's so kind of funny off. because I think if if I was designing a game and I wanted for playability reasons for that passage to be there. I don't think I would go with a European map. I would just make my own map. Oh yeah, it's uh, that's just interesting me to to use a European map, but then have it blatantly not Europe in in one <laughs> section. <laughs> well, and there is one port that's in Canada that you can get to, um, and that's one of the third saga um, adventures is to go all the way to Canada and and trade with Canada. Get some uh, poutine and beaver yeah. pelts or whatever, you know. And some back bacon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Canada, we love you. Yes. You played uh, Letter Tycoon as well. Yes. So Letter Tycoon is a very nice word game. Um, so you have, there's the, uh, um, the various letters cost, based on their frequency, cost, uh, like the E will cost you $12. So you can play cards out of your hand along with cards from, uh, there's three face-up cards that you can choose from and make the longest word that you can. And then based on the length of the card, or length of the word, then you get money. And then you can turn around and take that money and use it to buy a letter. So if I buy the E then I own the E, and anytime somebody else uses the E, then I can say, okay, I'm going to take a dollar um, 
because you used my E because I own the E, so I'm going to collect a royalty on that. Um, so yeah, Letter Tycoon, I, I quite like that game. That's and so you play uh, to like we played a four-player game and we played to twenty-six dollars. So the first person at twenty-six dollars won. Um, so as, as far as letter games, yeah. So Letter Tycoon. How long did it take to to play? Oh, maybe forty-five minutes. Okay. So. My wife would love that game. I'm yes. gonna play it with real money. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a game. Um, I haven't played it in a while, but it's a it's a kids game called Spare Change, or mm-hmm. I think it's called Spare Change, and it's just a game to teach kids about. Oh, exact change. That's it. If you want to put it in the notes, um, it's actually a really fun game where you have to you have to match cards up and try to like if you've got you've got cards that have money amounts and then you have to match the amount on the card that's the community card and and then if you can't you know you get at the end of the game someone has the most money and wins or whatever and we've often said that would be a fun one to play for real money because it's only a couple dollars at a time like the winner might win a dollar fifty or two dollars but it just makes it more interesting so (laughs) all right rich you what have you been playing so i got my hollandspiel games in did you get yours in no, I guess it's because I got my MMP stuff first, so... I uh, guess yeah, I actually didn't there. order anything from MMP, so... Mm. Surprisingly. But yeah, so I have I got a couple of Hollenspiel games. I got um, NATO Air Commander and also Agricola, uh, Master of uh, Britain. I have not played Agricola yet, um, but I did get a chance to play NATO Air Commander, which is the one that I was the most excited about. Um, and it looks like a lot of fun. I've I played... Uh, I played through one full game, and um, you basically, just like it says in the, the name, you play the, the commander of the NATO Air Forces in Europe. Um, you've got the Russians. It's, you know, 1985 or whatever, whenever it, everybody thought we were going to have World War Three in Europe. Um, and the Russians are coming in, and it's kind of – it reminds me a little bit of the States of Siege games because you've got six lines that they come in on. And they all stick to their lines, and they're basically just advancing one by one. Um, you can force them back a little bit, but they're going to get to the end. I mean, they're the way they reinforce, um, they're just going to get stronger and stronger and keep coming at you. So you can do things to knock out their reinforcements. You can do things to knock out um, their... Uh, their, their actual attacks, you can do close air support, but basically you assign missions. You've got a number of planes, you assign them to missions, and you um, there's there's no dice at all, which is nice, um, but there is obviously a, a resolution mechanic that's done in the cards. And that actually reminds me very much of the, uh, the D-Day games, or um, another one would be like Fields of Fire, where you actually pull a card and you read certain things from the card to determine how your attack went, so... Um, it plays pretty quickly. Maybe it's definitely less than two hours, probably an hour or two hours. Um, it's a nice small footprint solitaire game, which I'm always in favor of just because, you know, don't always have the ability to set out a big game. Um, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to play it some more and play some of the harder levels and see how it holds up. Now, what I ended up ordering, which has not arrived yet, uh, was Horse and Musket. Okay. You know, their most expensive game. It also had the deepest discount of $10. <laughs> and I ordered Meltwater and uh, This Guilty Land. 
Yeah. Obviously, we've talked about this Guilty Land before, but I ended up, you know, I, I, I would like to play that. So maybe if you bring it to Florida next year, I'll play it with you. But I just I couldn't see myself playing that enough to uh, to justify buying it. Whereas I know a couple small footprint solitaire games, I'm going to get a lot of use out of those. And then I also uh-huh. got the, the little card game that they threw in there called Absolutely Aces, but I haven't even pulled that out of the package yet. So I've heard people say it's good. Yeah, it's it's tiny. I mean, it's it's a deck of cards, and it's I don't know. It looks like it's about twenty cards or so. It's not, but um, that may be something. Just from the artwork on the front of the deck, looks like something would be fun to play with my daughter. So, but yeah, NATO Air Commander is the the one that I have had a chance to play, and I enjoyed it. And then I've also been playing a lot of Spirit Island. Um, that one for whatever reason i mean i guess because you know it is a good game has really caught me lately i've been playing with my friend a lot i've been i played that one solitaire as well um it's fun i don't have the expansions uh my friend does but we haven't played with any expansions yet so we're just playing the base game so far and it's a it's a co-op game um where you play the this the guardian spirits of this island and your job is to try to drive all the invaders off um actually lost for the very first time i think i talked about this last time and i said it felt a little too easy so we ramped up the difficulty to the the second level and we just got completely obliterated but then at the same difficulty with a couple different spirits we completely obliterated them so um i haven't played with any of the I can't remember what they're called, but there's actually like nationalities you can play against and they have special abilities and that's where it really starts getting hard. So now that we're getting a feel for how it works and which spot, which spirits we like to play, I think we're definitely going to play it some more, but I like that one a lot. And then we played Lords of Waterdeep, which I haven't played in a couple years. So it was fun to just kind of get that one out again. Have you guys played that? No, no, it's one I've I've seen a lot of. I've seen it for sale. I've yeah. seen people play it, but never played it myself. Yeah, it's a fun game. It's a, it's a worker placement game. It's not super heavy or anything. I was really hoping that he would have. Uh, there's an expansion for it called Scoundrels of Skullport, and he did not have that expansion. I, I wanted to play it just because I heard that that makes the game a lot better. The game's already fun. It's a good game. It's nothing. You know, too hard to wrap your mind around or anything. It's a worker placement game. And basically, so, you know, if you think about Dungeons and Dragons, you know, you've got fighters and rogues and clerics and wizards. But in this game, you play the people that are sending them off on quests. So you have a quest and you know that this quest, you're going to have to send two fighters and two wizards and a rogue. So you have to gather those things up and then send them out on the quest. And then they come back and they bring you gold and prestige and sometimes more wizards and lots of stuff like that. So that's basically how the game works. And it's just, um, you know, you can buy buildings that produce certain things and then you can place your workers on your buildings or on other buildings and you're gathering resources to complete these quests. But it's fun. I really would like to play the Scoundrels of Skullport. I don't know anything about what changes um i've just heard that that expansion does make it better and then i've been playing so i got out i've been playing a game with a friend on vassal um unconditional surrender europe it's a obviously european world war ii game um pretty big game but there's learning scenarios where you can work your way through it but there's also um a a very small scenario called uh, case blue takes place in the the southern southeastern europe 
um, between Russia and Germany. And this one actually, I think it was produced in C3i magazine, um, but it's a magazine game that is also free to download. Uh, you can get it on Board Game Geek, but you can download it and print everything yourself, um, or you can use the components from Unconditional Surrender because it's really just a subset of the exact same game. So I did that since I already own Unconditional Surrender, used the counters, and I played that through like three or four times just because it was so much fun. It's, it's again, it's like uh, similar like what I said with NATO Air Commander. It's a very small footprint, whereas Unconditional Surrender takes up your whole table. This is just a tiny portion of the map, fits right there in front of you. You can play it solitaire and under two hours, really under an hour probably. And and main reason I did it is because it was helping me to learn Unconditional Surrender better. But yeah, Unconditional Surrender Case Blue. And like I said, you can download it for free if you want to print the counters yourself. And a lot of fun. I actually picked this up at Board Game Geek Con. Um, Case was, Blue or the full one? Uh, the, the the one you've got here, the, okay. the Unconditional Surrender Case Blue. Okay. Yeah, I picked it up. I... I just noticed because I was actually moving things around in my garage, and when this pulled up, when you started talking about it on Board Game Geek, yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, I saw that artwork today. When I moved <laughs> it around. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. So, and then we are our, our RPG group. We switched over last week. We have been playing Call of Cthulhu for a while. Um, we got to a breaking point in that one, and we started up our Star Wars RPG campaign. So we're playing. Uh, Age of Rebellion, which is the one – there's three core books in the Star Wars RPG. One focuses on you know, Outer Rim, Skull and Villainy, Han Solo type guys. One focuses on Force users, and this one focuses on the actual sort of military campaigns of the Rebellion. So uh, just to throw a wrench in things, I told my players that they are going to be playing Imperials. So they're going to be fighting against the Rebellion, and I just thought it would be fun. Uh, what I did to them is they were all Imperial graduates. They all finished up their first session, and the guy that's the other game master, the one that switches back and forth with me, he and I will often throw work together behind the scenes to throw in story elements, and he really wanted to play a certain character, and I said, that's fine. You can play him, but play this one first, just for the first session, and I killed him. I, you know, I, we had it all arranged and everything, but I wanted, I wanted the, the players to get into the mindset of Imperials because we're not playing an evil campaign. I didn't want them to think, oh, we're playing soldiers. So we're just going to be like kicking babies and everything. What I wanted to do was have them be, you know, they just lost one of their team members to a terrorist attack. So I wanted them to go into it with that mindset and we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. I have no no big plans as far as like, oh, they're going to join the rebellion at this point, or they're going to do this, or they're going to do that. Uh, I really do want to let them go with that, but I thought that was a fun way to start the campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely get their attention. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> so uh, the next thing we have in the show is what's on your radar, which is just simply things that may be out or maybe not out yet that uh, just kind of grab your attention. And the first thing I have on here is Rangers of the Shadow Deep, a tabletop adventure game. This um, was brought to my attention. It apparently is by the same guy who created Frostgrave, and so this is kind of a kind of a darker, harder version. It's um, a kingdom stands on the brink of destruction as the vast realm called the Shadow Deep slowly swallows everything in its path. As the army fights to contain the tide of evil creatures, the kingdom's best soldiers, the Rangers 
must venture down into the shadows to gather information, rescue prisoners, and ambush enemy lines. It is a desperate fight against overwhelming odds, but every little victory brings another day of hope. Which honestly sounds a hell of a lot like the Rangers from Babylon 5. But, um, yeah. It is a solo and a cooperative tabletop miniature game in which players create their ranger, gather companions, and play through a series of missions in their fight to hold back the darkness. They should cast Magic Missile. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, so I just thought it sounded neat. It's an RPG, but it's a miniatures game. I wonder if that means if this is like a D&D 4E, very tactical game, or if this is something else. Sounds interesting, well, though. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's definitely done by, you know, the same guy who... Um, who did Frostgrave and that's essentially what Frostgrave is, is a skirmish game with, with RPG elements. You have like, uh, your band of like 10 guys and you venture forth to complete whatever mission you rolled up or whatever. And you know, you're fighting just your standard. It's kind of like a dungeon crawl. That's not in a dungeon is kind of what I, what I think of it. You know, it's, um, and yeah, whoever survives, you know, you're you're like, okay, well, let's roll to see what happened. I got injured. How badly was I injured? Or you know, let's level me up. And you know, I, I found this really cool sword, and so I'll continue that. And so you just kind of keep these characters going forward. So you may not have the answer to this, but how, it says it's clearly says in there that it could be soloed. How would you solo that? I don't know. I, that that made me curious too yeah. it's like i don't know and of course that's just how frostgrave plays as i understand it this plays differently so i don't know and uh the link in the show notes you can get a uh, pdf of it for 20 bucks or you can get a softback for 30 or actually they have you on can sale. get both you for get 30 PDF, yeah <laughs> both for 30 yeah right now as of this, so uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just really cool. I like that whole idea of it's like, ooh, things are bad. So what do we do? You know, well the army is taken up over there, but I need you guys for like this special mission. You know, you you gotta have to rescue some prisoners or whatever. It's just kind of cool. And I don't think it's been out that long. So yeah, I'm just gonna bring it to your attention. Uh, so hey, uh, Adam, yeah. <clears throat> yes. So I I heard your your. You're offhand. I'm attacking the darkness. I'm going to cast magic missile. <laughs> right. And I'm, I, pre- I presume you're referring to the dead AOI sketch. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm going to blow your mind a little bit, maybe. Do you know who that is? That's that's doing the, the one of the voices there. Please tell me it's Roy. It's Dan <laughs> Harmon. No way. Yeah. Really? That's Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub, um, who the Dan Harmon, the creator of Community. As, uh, that's and, that's and one Rick and Morty. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one of the early things that they did that kind of kind of went a little viral. So I had no idea he was in the Dead Ale Wives, and yeah. uh, wow. Okay, and yeah, I'll link this in the show notes if you're young or whatever, and you just you don't you don't know this. This there's any girls thing. there? I want to do them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Roll to see if I get drunk and I'm attacking the darkness. Might be oh, the yeah. two most quoted lines. Among all RPGers ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, wow. You know, honestly, I don't think. Look, this was like one of the early, kind of early things on the internet. It was somebody took this audio file 
and they like animated it. Yeah, I remember I I first saw it when the the PS2 launched. Um, they did uh, they took a bunch of characters from the various launch titles on the PS2, and uh, and gosh, I hope I'll try to find this and post it in the show notes and and just synced them up to the sketch. They animated them, and it was just hysterical. But yeah, that's 1996. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah, it's been around so long that I can't remember what the first version of it I saw. I mean, I've got in my mind this cartoon that you're probably that that's the one you're probably thinking of as well. But there's been one other of the versions. Characters of is like it as a well. Balrog or a demon of some kind. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that, yep. That's the one I, I can remember. Uh, oh yeah, don't forget where the Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Ah oh, shit! I haven't thought about that in forever, and I had no idea that was De- uh, that was Dan Harmon. Yep. I actually caught a piece of Harmon Town. Um, you know, YouTube, you play something, and then it'll, it'll autoplay. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd finished watching whatever it was I was watching, and left, and came back, and it was in the middle of Harmon Town. And I have you ever watched that? I don't know if it's like a if it's a podcast or oh, stand up or I don't. There's know Harmon Quest, which is a show that they've done. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and then Harmon Town's a podcast. Yeah, okay. This was a lot... I mean, it was taped, uh, obviously, but apparently he did a live show in, like, San Francisco, Mm -hmm. and um, that's that's what it was. It was him, and yeah, it was... It was... He was talking about this cuckold video that he saw (laughs) that was ridiculous. The guy was on, like, a hoverboard, and it it was a whole thing. He's a good sto- uh, storyteller because, yeah, it, it had my attention, yep. and it was pretty pretty funny the way he did it. <laughs> but, yeah, I, fr- I had no idea he was in that. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Moving I, I derailed you a little no, bit. No. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's fine. It, I had no idea. The next thing we had was Warline, Tactical Fantasy Battles. I saw this on Twitter because somebody posted it. And, you know, if it's... This was deliberate marketing. It actually worked. Because it was like, they were like, hey, you know, it was like, oh, I'm just playing this on blah, blah, blah on Friday night. And um, it caused me to go, okay, wow, what game is that? Wait, so they have an early copy of it? Uh, Well, I'm assuming. Like a beta? Yeah, they were either a playtester or they own the company. I I don't know. You know, it uh, it was something somebody retweeted. It wasn't somebody I followed. And so I was like, wow, that looks really cool. Uh, because what it reminded me of, do you remember, uh, I think it's a GMT game called Maneuver? Yes, it does. I was going to say it reminded me of Fields of Fire, which is another GMT game. But yes, it, it does look like Maneuver as well. But yeah, that's what it reminded me of, where it's just essentially, uh, you know, it's square movement yep. and, and, and whatnot. But it's done in this fantasy section. This, I'm sorry, this fantasy kind of overlay of it. And I was like, wow, okay, that looks really neat. So I was like, what is it? You know, because that's what you do when you see something really cool. Is You're like, what is this? And he's like, oh, it is uh, Warline. And, uh, and he just posted the link to it, which is like warline.ejplay.com. And you'll, I'll have this in the show notes on chanceofgaming.com. And come to find out, it's actually coming to Kickstarter next month. On January 15th. Yeah, so, and I'm definitely going to follow this one, because this one looks amazing. I mean, it, 
it does. It it looks really cool. I like the aesthetics of it. I like the art direction. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there. They have a Discord, so I guess if you wanted to pop on there and and ask questions, they have a Facebook page and they have a um yeah, it's LJ Play is is who's doing. They have a Facebook page, they have a Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. And um yeah, so it's and that's, that's what it is and that's E L J A Y Play. Not not yes. not letter L letter J. Yeah. Right right yeah you, that's a good point. E L J A Y play dot com. For all you yeah, listeners so... who are too lazy to visit our website. <laughs> yeah, just it's like I'm not gonna do that, but I am right by my computer. Let me type this out. And uh, yeah, it looks cool. And of course, you know, all of that. You're coming to Kickstarter. Well, let's talk. You know, are you a preferably a Canadian company? Um, if not a U.S. company, I'll settle for that. Um, and you know, how much is this thing? This thing looks really cool, but they may be like, you know what? I'm going to need like $600 (laughs) per game for the, I mean, you never know. Kickstarters never cease to surprise me with like what people think their game is worth and whatever. But, uh, and and yeah, it never fails. I actually haven't gotten a Kickstarter argument in a while and I got in one last week on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. I don't know. It's just me. Uh, speaking of, uh, the next thing we have is Nibiru, a science fiction RPG of lost memories. And, uh, this is a Kickstarter. It's, don't, it may be U.S. Uh, no, it is not U.S. because there's the pound symbol. This is somewhere across the pond. Has come up with this. What drew me into this is, one thing, the art direction. Just freaking love the, the art on the cover, the big giant mech, and, you know, all this good stuff. And the other thing is, like, the, the back story is, it's a tabletop RPG set in an ominous space station, home to millions, where stories of struggle and survival are written on a daily basis. So, you know, it's cool art. You're on a sp- big space station. So, uh, which is a space station submerged in the ocean of debris, orbiting the star of Formal Halt. A monstrous steel-clad vulture feeding off a collection of unborn planets. Nibiru's purpose is unknown, at least for those that reside in it. Near the core of this skyless world, a group of enclosed city-states harbors the majority of the human population. So, there you go. This, I don't know. It looked cool, and let's see if I just wanted the PDF to kind of read some stuff. Uh, is twenty five pounds. I'm sorry, twenty five dollars, which is twenty pounds. So this thing is it's funded as of this. So I'm probably not gonna back it because I'm willing to bet it will come to drive through RPG and I can pick up that PDF for less than twenty five American. But yeah, the system looks very narrative, uh, which is obviously the the current trend in RPGs. Um, skillless system. Looks like you get to spend memory points to say what your memory is, and then you get some effect um, that's instead of a you know, a skill that you get, um, you just get an effect that sounds like you can use narratively whenever you need to. So it sounds like an interesting system. Maybe nah, I don't want to say it's like anything else. It does look unique. Now, I will say there is a free quick start guide. You can take a look at it right now. If you, if you were super duper interested, and uh, you'll you'll see that off the Kickstarter link in the show notes. It's if you scroll down, you can try it out if you want. Um, but yeah, it's I wonder like 
companies, and again, you keep scrolling down, just that Walker thing with the the shed on its back just looks cool. You know, I, I just love the art. I do wonder how companies or the people that actually write these are both, do they feel pressured to, like, come up with a unique system? Or do... Yeah, I mean, it's, I think you'd have to ask the author, but my, my guess is um, that he probably had he probably had an idea of the setting in mind and the system, you know, you can start with the system and go to the setting or you can start with the setting and go to the system. But with this one, it kind of looks like it flows from the setting and the system fits into that. But who knows? You'd have to ask him. Yeah. I, I don't know. And maybe I will. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Roy, you're still waiting for a copy of Tenochtitlan city of gods. Yes. I think he just put in that, that in there so that you'd have to say it. Oh. To notes to to notes to to notes Roy is so I, good at pronouncing those, and Adam is I, not. I think it's different from no. from Tenochtitlan is what you were thinking of. I believe that's yeah. a different city. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I was just thinking of. Uh, I took one college course on like the the history of. Um, it was either Mexico or just South America and or something and yeah, or it was like early South American history and there was Tenochtitlan mm-hmm. or whatever is the only one I can remember as to what that one was. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, this part of the show we're gonna talk about like I had an idea for like a holiday guide sort of thing or we're just kind of like gonna talk about like i don't know christmas presents for gamers for geeks you know what what would you give what would you like you know what do you want for christmas uh you know if if there's a geek person in your life and you're not a geek you're probably not listening to this podcast i would say unless you're just thinking like man that roy guy i gotta listen to him he's so cool um I don't know, but uh, if, if you if you are, you could you know like well you know I I'm, my friends in a 40k and I'm not, but what should I get? Maybe something like that. So kind of just wanted to talk. Uh, are you guys buying any uh, kind of geeky presents for anybody? We will probably buy. Usually we buy some sort of family game um, for Christmas, and you know I I should know this, but my wife actually had an idea for one, and my daughter had an idea for one. And then, you know, we went up to Miniature Market the other day, and my little one was looking at the uh, the game Villainous, which came out fairly recently where you play you play Disney villains. Um, and she thought that one looked really cool. So every time we go up there, we find something interesting. But we'll, we'll find some sort of family game that we will get sort of as, the, as a family present for Christmas. Last year, we got uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. And... Honestly, there's, I think, ten mysteries in there, and we've done two or three of them. So we could just play that once more, but that's probably what we'll be doing. For me, yeah, it's 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 never like a, a, a family thing. Um, yeah, nobody else really plays anything. And uh, I, I, sometimes, like when I go to my brothers or something, they'll they'll break out, you know, something that that I'm because you know he lives right by uh, cool stuff. And goes into there occasionally, and so I'm kind of surprised sometimes with the stuff that gets out. But you know, most people are like, "Hey, you know, I want that crazy party game, um, you know, uh, in the black box, left, right, and center." Oh, Cards Against Humanity. Car, yeah, Cards Against Humanity. You know, that's kind of a thing. (laughs) 
Uh, I would say, like, you know, uh, you can never, ever go wrong with a gift certificate to your uh, the local gaming store, to the, the person's local gaming store. You can never go wrong there. Yeah, and I would say um, a lot of times, instead of picking up a game, there's accessories you could get, like, Roy, do you know anyone that makes dice towers? I, I, I might know somebody. <laughs> yeah. But, but totally honestly that's that's a thing that if you if you know them well and you know that they have lots of games but you also know that they don't have a dice tower that's something that most gamers are gonna be like oh this is so cool but not something i would buy for myself yeah now as far as you know if you're gonna buy something for somebody's hobby so let's say that somebody plays warhammer well great you play warhammer what should i get you well, you don't just go to to the game store and say, "Well, okay, here's here's a box of Tau Pathfinders. I'll give that to to my friend that plays Warhammer." Well, <laughs> he's an orc player, so like, what is this going to do for him? So, I think if you're if you're going to buy a, a a geeky present for a gamer, you need to maybe do your little bit of homework. So, like, try to figure out what would best fit into their hobby. So, yeah, yeah, like a dice tower or something like that. It's kind of a generic sort of thing. Yeah. Now, I, I will say devil's advocate on that. A lot of guys will go, huh, I have this box of Tau Pathfinders. That's an excuse to start another <laughs> army. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sorry, honey. I just have these here. What, am I going to let them go to waste? No, I've got to buy. A, I've got to spend hundreds more and build a whole Tau army now. You know, a, a lot of guys do that. Uh you know, one of the things I really thought about for this this thing was, uh, say your friend is into like D and D, that's cool. Uh, give them something different. And like one of the things I would highly recommend if the, if your friend is a role player is Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yeah. Well, oh, like keep uh, on the Borderlands be- kind of stuff. Yeah. It, well, Dungeon Crawl Classics is uh, from Goodman Games. Cobalt Press and- has some good stuff too. It's uh, they have this this freaking huge huge book, and uh, what I love about it is the the MSRP on this book is twenty five dollars, and it is three times bigger than the D and D Player's Guide. Wow! It is it is just as big as the Player's Guide, the Monsters Manual, and the DM's Guide put together. It is enormous. It's like a phone book. It's hardcover. And it's just it's twenty five bucks is MSRP on it. Uh, I see. Uh, Amazon has it right now. Oh, they have the soft cover. I'm sorry, for twenty five, and uh, and uh, they have it for twenty two. And it's it's loaded with stuff. It's just different. You know, a lot of role players will love something, you know, just different. If if all else fails, just to read. You know, just to be like, oh, okay, this is this is cool. You know, I'm not familiar with this one. Or, or whatever, you know, and I think that's kind of cool. If all else fails, go get them the coolest looking dice that you can find. They'll use that them. That is true. Because at some point, their dice are going to go bad on them, and they're going to reach for yours. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I have so many dice, you know, and, I, and I'm just, I don't really go out of my way to buy them, but I never turn them down when somebody's like, hey, free dice. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, okay, I'll take those. Thank you, sir. Uh, you know, I never go out of my way, you know, to buy them, but I always take the dice towers. Another thing, it's like, wow, you know, if I had a real nice fancy dice tower or a dice bag, 
uh, is is also really cool. These kind of accoutrements that you can get. Now, I will say one of the more boutique items you can get for the hardcore historical player in your thing are these things called measurement batons. And I'm going to try to pull this up and dump them in there. Um, no, measurement batons actually comes up something else. Dadgummit, what do they think? Um, they're for like DBA and uh, Art de Guerre and all this, like, these things that are called they're these little weighted um and i actually have a set of them they're really nice and i don't know the freaking name of it well well i'll dig it up after i do this and post it in the show notes but they're really neat and they're also kind of expensive come in a nice little case and you just you know you're you feel like a little field marshal with the little you have a tiny little baton and you're measuring your little ancient skies <laughs> I'll also say for historical gamers, rule books are great. You know, if you buy me a rule book that I wouldn't normally buy myself, again, I'm like, oh, okay, this sounds cool. So guess what? It's time to start a new army. <laughs> or, to, you know, oh, I've always wanted to play French and Indian War. I guess I need two opposing forces now. You know, that that kind of thing is cool. I, I don't think you could go wrong there. So one uh, thought I had about yeah. uh, role-playing and uh, um, miniature painting is paint. Um, you know, the Reaper sells these learn to paint kits and, um, they're $30. They have an assortment of paints and a brush and some miniatures in it. So, you know, even if you're a, uh, a seasoned painter, it's still, it's still paint. Um, so the, the Reaper kit is $30 and I see that on Amazon, there's a Vallejo set that's 200 bucks. So if, if you really want to go all out, you can get, um, a really nice assortment of paint and brushes and uh, various tools, a, a pin vise, uh, needle files, that sort of thing. That that I'm, you know, so like you're not giving somebody models; you're giving somebody the the means to make their models look nice. That is very true. You know that that would that absolutely would be welcome. And absolutely from from anybody that does miniatures. Yeah. And the people they play against will, will will thank you also because they won't have to fight fight the great horde. <laughs> that's that's very true. Um, I would say okay if your friends are um, if, if they're board gamers, is there a board game that you would buy them? I would really have to uh, to know what they're looking for. There are some games out there like if I knew that. Um, that they were looking for family type games. You know, there are some that I could recommend for that. If I knew that they were interested in diving deeper, there are gateway games. I've always said that, you know, if somebody is interested in, especially like historical uh, war games, I like starting them in on the coin games. I'm a big fan of the coin games and especially Cuba Libre. Uh, it's, it's something that it's not hard to pick up, but it's a, it's a nice gateway into stuff that's bigger and deeper. But if I was looking for a family game, you know, I might start with something like Ticket to Ride. If they really don't have anything at all, that's a great game that anybody can throw down and you can let the kids play and it gets them started on good games. That is very true. You know, I don't think I definitely wouldn't like I have a lot of friends that were like that are board gamers, but I do not believe I would um, buy them any uh, like a war game. I, I don't think I would. You know, because it's like it's not really their thing. So, 
Uh, yeah. I, I, with that, I don't know. I was just trying to think of if there was just any just in general game, you know, just any general board game offhand. But you're right. It, it's very... It's very personal, I guess, as, as to what they're into or not. If I would say if the person is into collectible card games, you can never, ever go wrong with buying boosters of whatever the latest thing is. Keyforge. You know, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, you know, I would say that right there. If they're a Magic the Gathering player, uh, I'd buy them a Keyforge deck. Yeah. That's literally, that's all they need. It's just one deck, and they can take a look at it. They can play it, and uh, yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. And it's the hot hotness right now, so they're gonna have people to play with. That would be a great one to get someone started with. That is true. It absolutely blew up at my um, at at my local uh, shop, and I think the main reason why is the price point. Yeah. The fact that you just have it, and well, you gotta learn it. You got to learn how this deck works. You know, and, uh, of course, several, you know, everybody has bought at least four decks. You know, they're like, well, I want to see if, you know, what is this one does something different or is different or, or whatever. So, you know, that's that's become kind of a thing. But, yeah, you can't go wrong at all buying a, a deck, uh, a Keyforce deck. Are any of you guys, either one of you guys playing it at all? Uh, no, it, I'm... It's sold out by me. I can't get it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But I, eventually I will. My wife seems interested in it. I'll take a look at my shop, and if they have one, maybe I'll send y'all. Oh. I'll send y'all some. Well, I think we're, yeah, they're Santa on back order right in. now, so we'll get it from them, I think. Santa would come in and just do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, other than that, um, there's always, like, kind of merchandise, like uh, shirts and stuff like that of whatever they're into. Sometimes you can find stuff, you know. Can you go, Can you really go wrong with uh, uh, a dragon button-up shirt and a fedora <laughs> i'm sorry a, tr a trilby and, and finger and fingerless gloves can you go wrong there i don't know please include Maybe. your receipts if that's what you're getting for me yeah. Set up your local <laughs> hot <course>. topic <laughs> yeah yeah you, you could also like hit the total gaming stereotype and just give them like deodorant like, you know, here you go just i'm not saying i'm just saying just in case just in case Here's some deodorant. maybe you could re-gift it to somebody that's true absolutely you know, we should do, people should do like Dirty Santa with like crappy board games. <laughs> I think that would be fantastic. Like you go and you find the worst board game you could find. Not, you know, not in just like content or whatever, but just like, it's just a bad game that that's terribly rated and nobody wants to play. I think that would be great. A, a Dirty Santa board game party. Pop and they would probably trouble. be cheap. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Like, I, yeah, yeah, that would be a great joke gift. It's like, I hear, I hear you're into board games, so I got you Monopoly. <laughs> or no, Life. Life is the worst one where you're playing with kids and insurance, you know. So, yes, I'm, I'm an adult. This is what I want to do. I do this all fucking day anyway. <laughs> I'll have to do it here. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we should quit while we're ahead. That's our, our, you know, rough idea of a holiday guide. So, please take it with a grain of salt and uh there you go so moving on to actual news <laughs> i'm going to talk about steve jackson of course you are we should really have, <laughs> we should really have a stinger when i talk about steve jackson there should be, there should be like a little theme music plays da, 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 steve jackson <laughs> um at the steve jackson section of the uh, chance game podcast 
Uh, he is going to resurrect the pocket box. And I gotta say, the pocket box was one of my, um, I guess, first introductions to Steve Jackson games. I didn't actually own one, but I had friends that did. And it's essentially, it's a very small little uh, plastic box. They come from the 80s, and let's see, that's where the original Ogre was in there. Uh, there was also the original Car Wars, uh, the original Illuminati, uh, Necromancer, Melee, and Wizard, the Fantasy Trip, which, you know, he just recently, uh, that was a Kickstarter he recently did. But, um, yeah, they're going to do this, and they're going to reprint their other stuff. One of the ones I currently own is uh, Ogre Battlesuit. So you can play as infantry in the Ogre universe. Uh, you're, you're kind of like a guy in an Iron Man-type suit, but I don't think you fly or anything, but, yeah. And I had an idea of trying to make it into 28 millimeter, but then I got lazy. I don't know. But I still own it. <laughs> I picked it up off of eBay uh, a couple years ago. But yeah, they're going to kickstart this, of course they are, in uh, 2019. And I actually think they have a, currently have an Ogre Kickstarter on there. I don't know. It's, you know, hey, when you when you guys, when you feed these guys constantly, when they put out, you know, a Kickstarter for something they could probably make themselves, and you just, you know, you you dump $2 million on them, yeah, they're just going to keep kickstarting it until somebody tells them to stop. So, expect it. Uh, moving on. Amazon's not playing on board game prices. This is where you can pick up Ticket to Ride. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they. It, this is simply an article. Uh, this is what they were selling stuff at on like Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And it, it is pretty ridiculous. Uh, like my local store said, they were like, they're selling those things for 12 bucks. He was like, that's like what I pay for them, plus like a dollar shipping. It's like 13 bucks, a, a little less than $13 is what I pay for, uh, you know, the, uh, the starter kits for D&D. Yeah, I, so, I talked about Spirit Island earlier, but this is how and when I picked up Spirit Island was, I think it's, I think retail is 80 um, and I picked it up for 55 on Amazon, so that's that's a deep discount for a, a, a new game, new-ish. It's, it's probably a year old or so, but still. It is, and, uh, you know, I honestly, I only usually go for, like, impulse buys, that kind of thing. Uh, with that, like, I, uh, they dropped um, One Deck Dungeon. Yeah. Dropped it dropped it uh recently uh, a couple days ago and i was like wow i've always wanted to play that so let me grab yeah that. that's a good one it, yeah everybody says it's good i love dungeon crawls and so yeah i grabbed that but yeah i mean let's see msrp for like Catan is 48.99 and uh they they were selling it at 25.99 a 47 percent discount and uh, yeah they sold ticket to ride it straight up 50 percent pandemic at 50 percent it's, I mean, yeah, it's, you can't, your, your local store can't compete, you know, with that. And, you know, I'm not buying all my stuff through Amazon or even the majority of my stuff, you know, but I don't know. I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I guess you, you should say it. If you don't support your local store, it'll you won't know, have one. <laughs> you, you won't have one. Although I completely agree with what was it Tom Vassell said about a year ago uh, that he got in so much uh, flack over 
was he was like, yeah, you should support your local store, but not if they're assholes. Yeah. You know, I yeah, if they're not good, they're not getting a dime of my support money. your friendly local go, gaming store. <laughs> yeah, your friendly emphasis on the friendly, because I, I mean, if they're not good, they should go out of business and somebody else will come in and fill that vacuum. Hopefully nicer. So moving on. Clank Legacy <laughs> Acquisitions Incorporated. I threw this. What is this? I th- have you guys heard of Acquisitions Incorporated? No. Okay. So uh, Acquisitions Incorporated is it's the guys from Penny Arcade and the guy from PvP play D and D with. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but the they he's like one of the big guys from Wizards of the Coast. He's like the official dungeon master. Um, they've done podcast recordings. They've done live plays. They go to like Penny Arcade Expo every year and play a live play D and D. They've had Patrick Rothfuss play with them. They've had. Um, uh what's the uh i'm drawing a blank i'm drawing blanks on names tonight but they've had other like you know sort of nerd celebrities play D with them and acquisitions incorporated is is the name of their group that they made so it's a D live play is where it comes from and now they're turning it into uh, you know a version of clank which which is another good game good family game good intro game you can play with kids teaches them about deck building it's a fun game to play pretty quick and pretty light and there's already a couple versions of clank out there there's the original that has a couple expansions and then there's clank in space which i think now has its own expansion and now we've got clank acquisitions acquisitions incorporated coming out as well so i just thought that was interesting um to see uh sort of a crossover there yeah, it, it is interesting, and I always find it fascinating the, the way this intersects. You mentioned uh, Patrick Rothfuss, you know, playing in yeah. there, but uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I know there is a lot of Clank, but I have played no Clank. It's fun. You should you should try it sometime. It's you know it's um, like I said, it's pretty light. It's a deck builder. Um, pick up as many movement cards as you can because otherwise the dragon will be coming for you, and you will keep drawing cards that have no movement on them and get stuck and die. Roy, have you clanked? I have. I've played Clank in Space a couple of times. Okay. Yeah, it seems like I remember you talking about that. Yep. Okay. Well, that's cool. Uh, moving on to, oh, some Star Wars Legion news. Lots of Legion news. So we've got, um, um, I think we mentioned Death Troopers and Krennic last time, but I'm not sure they were officially announced yet. Now they have been officially announced. And then something that I know Roy is interesting is Chewie's coming out now, too. He's been announced. Yeah, I'm looking for him. So, again, that was another one that we, we sort of knew he was coming, but he has been officially announced now. So Is there a street date for him now? Uh, let's see. And I the, can't. I've been um, keeping an eye on that. Yeah, I don't know what his, I don't know what his actual uh, release date is. Okay. But I would, I would suspect that it's going to be... Just based on releases of other things, it, it, quarter one of next year, maybe February or March, I would guess. But okay. well, last Chewie I heard, looks it was going to be uh, quarter four of 2018. Oh so yeah, that's not going to happen. It's it's still on pre-order, so I don't think All that'll right. happen. But yeah, damn, I got to get painted. Yeah, Chewie looks like he's going to be really good. I mean, he's he's an operative. Which, for those of you who know anything about Legion, you've got. Um, You've got your commanders, which are like Luke and Leia, and now Krennic is going to be a commander, Vader, the Emperor, they're all commanders. But then you've also got these things called operatives, which are sort of in between a commander and the troops. 
and the the imperial co- uh, operative is Boba Fett, and now they have a rebel operative, which is Chewie. That's cool. Yeah, I'm definitely. I mean, I've been I've been keeping up on stuff, even though I haven't been playing that much. I've been trying to keep up on stuff just because a lot of this stuff comes out, and a week later you can't get it. So I'm behind on my painting right now. I just painted up all my uh, all my rebel uh, the special forces guys. I still need to paint up my fleet troopers, but. Hopefully, now that things are starting to slow down, uh, all the family concerts and everything are over, I'm going to get to play some more in the next couple of weeks. Hmm. So you would appreciate uh, the gift of paint? I have paint. I, I would appreciate if the magic elves would come in my house tonight and paint them up for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping for the gift of initiative and talent. So uh, the next thing we had, uh, this has been a really interesting saga for me to follow. And the main reason why is nobody is kind of willing to go on the record, more or less. There's news things out that they don't have the right info. I I follow Jane. Okay, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is... The, the title of the story is Warehouse Destroys Disgusting, quote-unquote, Lamentations of the Flame Princess RPG Supplement. Are you guys familiar with Lamentations at I've all? I've heard of it, but I wouldn't say I'm familiar, so fill me in. I've heard it's kind of adult. Yes, it it is. It's RPG stuff, and, I mean, it has its own system. You buy, like, one, like one book is the rules, one book's the magic, and then, like, there's a million different, like, little supplements out there. But they're all very adult, just in the sense of more kind of like blood and guts and like some sexual content. Uh, I remember one of the um, supplements I picked up at um, Gen Con a couple years ago. Part of the plot point, sort of, was when you were investigating uh, this person, you found pornography in their room. Although this is, you know, this is in the Middle Ages, so I don't know what it was, you know. But that was like a, a plot point. So it's, it's that kind of adult stuff. I mean, it's, it's not like, it's not porn. It's not sex and all this stuff. But it's very bloody and it's it's very, you know, diff- the strong different themes and stuff like that. Well, this particular theme dealt with uh, menstruation, apparently, as power or, or something like that. It was written by Elizabeth... I cannot pronounce your last name. I'm Broy, sorry. That's what I was looking yet. forward to. <laughs> Chipratical? Ch- sure. Chipratical? I'm sorry, I can't pronounce it. I'm, it's that not sounds you, pretty it's good. Yeah. And uh, anyway, she did this source book, and uh, the front cover shows blood trickling down a woman's legs. And um, let's see. Drive Through RPG describes it as a gaming supplement for Lamentations, offering characters unique abilities that they engage with an otherworldly entity this is not an adventure but a supplement adding new character features therefore the supplement most likely requires an adventure most likely certainly needs one adventure who is seduced into making questionable choices in exchange for the weird okay so this whole thing has been weird to to follow and just try to nail somebody down like will you make you know make a statement release a press release talk to me let me interview you whatever and nobody will apparently what happened was it, this warehouse does not name it, it is not named uh whoever it is i'm assuming it was a distributor and i don't know 
some guy that owns the place or some manager or whatever was walking down the aisle and looked over in a bin and saw these books, picked it up and was like, ugh, this is, this is disgusting. And, um... So he destroyed his own property, though, right? Because assume... Yes. Okay. Yes. He had already paid for this. <laughs> he bought them from uh, James Raggy, who is the guy that... That's an uh, unfortunate that name publishes. giving the subject. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, well, again, I'm probably mutilating his name. So, and I don't mean to. It's, I just cannot pronounce people's name. I met him at Gen Con. He was a great guy. And, yeah, I bought a bunch of stuff from him. Anyway, so... They, uh, I think he had like 30 copies. I've heard off and on. I've heard 30. I've heard 50. Um, so he destroyed them and supposedly burned them. I mean, how dramatic do you have to be instead of just throwing it in the trash <laughs> to burn it, to be like, you know, I have to do do this, which I, hysterically has caused sales of the supplement to spike. Oh, sure. Because people... The Streisand effect. Yes, it's the Streisand effect. They're like, wow, somebody doesn't want me to have this. That really makes me want to have it. And the other thing, you get people that are like, wow, if 30 or 50 of them have been removed from existence, it was probably a low print run anyway. They're probably worth money or will be worth money. You know, to have this this first edition of it, if I can grab it. So they're sold out everywhere. But it's available on Drive Through RPG, right? Yes, yes, you can. You can absolutely right now. You can get the PDF of it, but you know you can't burn a PDF. Or I guess if you want to be super dramatic, you can just print it out and burn. I'm gonna it, download it and whatever. burn my laptop. Yeah, that'll show them. Yeah, just burn your laptop. <laughs> that'll that'll show them for whatever. But anyway, it's this is just kind of an odd thing to follow, mainly because no one will kind of be straight with it we'll we'll say like you know who did it why and you know all all this i mean this all goes into like well if you don't like it don't buy it you know it's and you know i'm assuming it's not going to be i mean your local store probably carries more adult stuff than you think if you if you look back on you know in the in the shelf or whatever but you know i don't know this is this is just seems dumb in 2018 to be burning books, Absolutely. to be burning RPGs in in 2018 it, seems it, super it, dumb. It seems dumb, and it seems it seems pointless because you're not you're not killing the idea, <laughs> you know. All you're doing is 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 destroying your own property. So I don't know. It's 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 hard to it's hard to say more than that without knowing the details. But you know, if you want to uh, if you want to check it out, it's on Drive Through RPG. I'm sure they'll be happy yeah. to sell it to you. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe it's even on sale right now. I don't know. Or will yeah. be. It probably will at, at some point. Um, so uh, the next article kind of you know runs into that is designing for difficult subjects. or And, of course, this is board games. And um, I'm just going to kind of gloss over because this is kind of like a pretty big scholarly article that I found fascinating and and well written and it's basically like how do you add like the ugly aspects of history into like a game you know uh like freedom the underground railroad or this guilty land you know because that's mentioned in this article you know all this all this stuff is in there you know do, do you put it in here? Do you, you know, do you not put it in here? Do you gloss over it? You know, and uh, I mean, like Hearts and Minds is mentioned in here, which I found 
you know, fascinating because I mean that's it's it's legit. It's it, this was part of a this was part of history. This happened. Not only part of history, but, but I mean, unless you're only concerned with the military operation, say you're making a tactical game and it literally doesn't matter. If you're doing any sort of operational or strategic game about Vietnam, you cannot ignore hearts and minds. I mean, that's what the war was about. The war was not about. I mean, as the as the North Vietnamese proved, the war was not about how many people you can kill. It was about hearts and minds. Yeah, it was. You you want the the American people to get fed up enough that they demand their leadership to pull out. Yeah, you know, and and that's that's how. So that was that's a key thing. That is that's an aspect. That is how you can you can win this war. And um, yeah, I'm really super stoked to to play this guilty land and just to see like you know how that works, and you know the mechanics. And I did I've deliberately not looked at anything, watched any playthroughs or, or anything like that. I really want to go in it cold and just have a look for myself. You know, not that I've seen anybody say anything bad about it. You know, people are like, no, it's a great game. It's 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 a good subject. I mean, that's that's another one that, you know, I'm pretty sure uh, Tom says they're not available. They're only available via mail order. They are not in shops. They are not at cons. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, when we talked to him, we didn't really ask him too much about this guilty land, but I heard him on another interview, and it's not a direct quote or anything, but he basically said, who says a game has to be fun? And I thought that was that was a very interesting way to look at it, so – true that's very true so uh that kind of leads into this this next thing i love it when i actually do just a tiny little bit of show prep <laughs> and it all kind of makes sense right here i like that i feel good about myself i'm gonna get some ice cream later as a reward <laughs> um i gotta yeah this is afghanistan 11 featuring the u.s and taliban forces has been removed from the app store and um this is slytherine publishing they do. If you like uh, hex encounter games and you want to play them uh, on your computer, this is who you should look yeah. at. Is Slytherin? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so this particular game was pulled because the Taliban is a is the bad guy in it, or or they're at least an opposing force. And uh, said, this is the first time Apple has elected to remove historical war games. In 2015, the company chose to suspend the sale of Civil War games featuring the battle flag of the Confederate States of America. Titles such as Ultimate General Gettysburg were eventually reinstated, though. And it says it's unclear why they elected to single this one out when there are other historical war games such as Twilight Struggle, Battle of the Bulge, Carrier, Battle, Carrier Battles 4, Guadalcanal, which I didn't know was there, and now I want it. Uh, Panzer Corps is on there. Uh, and see, I wonder if there's swastikas in that. I honestly don't know, but, but Slytherin makes that. 1812 Invasion of Canada. Uh, so, I don't know. It's I hate it when you get this kind of knee-jerk... Uh, response from uh, a company like that and you know honestly I don't think it's political correctness I think it's you know hey we're gonna eventually go over there to Afghanistan and and sell iPads and so we don't want them all mad at us because this game's on there so you know and we it's just capitalism I really think yeah I really really think that that's all it is it's not political correctness it's capitalism I think you're probably right on right on with that and the the only thing I can say is um, 
if you look at this list of other games that they list here, with the possible exception of Twilight Struggle, which only goes up until 1990 maybe, but none of these are ongoing conflicts. I mean, you can say debatable whether the Cold War is still going or whether it has been reignited or whatever, but all these others are historical conflicts that are basically over. So that would be the only difference between this one and that one is Afghanistan 11. Obviously, that one's not over, and who knows if it'll ever end. Um, but like you said, it's it's not – it doesn't seem to be about someone was raising a fuss about this particular game. It could be just that they don't, they don't want it to happen because – it's 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 easier to just pull the game than to deal with a small but noisy group of people probably on Twitter that are going to start making a ruckus. Yeah, or or you know, it's it's they'll consider it like an emerging market, yeah. you know, and and they'll just they'll want to get over there and it'd be like, "No, we're going to go Android doesn't have this. We're going to go with Android." <laughs> ah, it's it's uh, late stage capitalism. Anyway, but yeah, it, you're absolutely right. It is debatable uh, if we'll ever get out of Afghanistan. Just think, that was 2011, fixing to be eight years ago. Yeah. And, you know, that wasn't even when it started. But, yeah, boy. Uh, I, there was a general that was quoted, I think, a month or so ago. Something to the effect of, like, uh, yeah, we're doing what we can. If you have a better idea, we'd love to hear it. Because, honestly, we don't know what how to get out of here. You get on the plane. You know? oh, all right. We're not going to do yeah. that here now. Never mind. <laughs> no, no, we'll do, we'll do a supple. We'll do a supplemental. Um, su- a supplemental uh, politics podcast. Yeah, people love it. So, uh, moving on, the next thing we had, and again, because of my love of Kickstarters, people send me this stuff all the time. And this one is, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Dinosaur Island. Totally liquid. I've, I've heard of it. Yeah, the game. The game board. I haven't played it, but it's it's very eighties. Yeah, this this is an expansion for Dinosaur Island, and uh, it's Pandasaurus Games is who did this. Well, apparently, what they did is they pulled a stretch goal, and people are really mad about it. That apparently they have started to to um, to ship the um the game and people are like well hey where's my you know this that you mentioned and that and their the company's response was well we we came out well it wasn't feasible for us to do it so we didn't do it <laughs> so people are mad <laughs> they're like well you know i backed this and, and i guess you could argue that you backed it you paid for it expecting to get this thing and uh, you didn't get it. And so, yeah, it says, like, uh, the $6 pile couldn't fit and fit in the box. And so they changed it into, a, this is a, a piece of the game, was changed into a card also without consulting the people that paid for it. You know, you were supposed to get this one thing, and people were like, oh, it's missing. And they're like, no, we just changed it into a card. So, I don't know. This is kind of like another thing that can go wrong with with a Kickstarter. You know, it's like, well, what if they just change it? I mean, I had never heard of this happening before, before this particular game where somebody, you know, they're like, okay, we're going to put this out and, you know, we need this amount of dollars. This is what you get. 
and you pay. And then after that, they're like, well, when we were packing it all up, this didn't fit. And, you know, there wasn't enough money, you know, to to do this. So we're not doing it. Well, <laughs> and so you're like, and, and they're like, at least you got the the big game, the main thing. That's what you got. To, to dip into video games a little bit, um, Fallout 76. I don't know if you've heard the, the, the uh, controversy with this right now, but apparently there was a $200 um, collector's edition, which came with a, like a model helmet and the game oh, stupid and the bag. <laughs> so it was supposed to come with a canvas bag. And uh, when it shipped, it was some kind of a cheap, flimsy nylon bag. And so they, yeah, they said, well, it was too expensive to, to make. So we decided to go with nylon. And there was quite the uproar over, um, with, against Bethesda over, over that. And I think eventually they have, they are making right on it and making canvas bags. But that's, it was kind of a, quite the, uh, quite the marketing gaffe that happened with them. And so I think they're going to, they're, they're paying for it now. Oh, Yeah. It's the first thing people said was like, well, it's Bethesda. You know, what do you what do you expect? Because uh, they're they're doing it to us again with with something else now. And then the other thing was um, people actually, you know, in this day and age, in in 2018, people have access to the internet and and other things. People were pulling up the bags on. Uh, and showing like, well, you can get them for five dollars from China. So why do you think this was a, um, you know, to, why do you say it's too expensive when they were just five dollars? Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So I mean, it's so yeah. People cutting corners when they, you know, they promised one thing and then it goes a different way, and wonder why the consumer is is upset. Well, they sh- should have figured out that the consumer the consumer was going to be upset. Now, what you said when you said, "Well, talking about video games," I thought you were going to say this, and this really got my goat. When Mass Effect Three came out, the I don't know if you guys play it. To, to me, it is the it's the best video game franchise. No, no matter how controversial the endings of the games are, it's the best video game franchise in the past decade. I love it. I've played it over and over again. I love it so much. Anyway, when the third one came out. There was this one particular character that they had teased. They were like, this guy can go in your squad. And, you know, you can't wait to get this guy. This guy, he's part of that alien race we've been talking about for two games. And everybody was like, ooh, you know, this is so awesome. This is so awesome. Well, the day it released, he was nowhere to be found in the game. And then people put it in their PC and mined the data. And they're like, he's on the disc. Come to find out, they released him as DLC, paid DLC. <laughs> so yeah, it's a tremendous dick move, yeah. you know. <laughs> this is what we call in bird cu- bird culture a dick move. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's it's I, you know they'll they'll do that to you. They're terrible. Uh, and so yeah, it's so I'm not I was not surprised at all when uh, Bethesda did that. You know, it, it, the main thing was people were pointing out that uh, apparently they sent even nicer bags to specific YouTube influencers. <laughs> you know, people that have, like, oh, man. hundreds of thousands yeah. of followers or whatever. So, uh, yeah. 
that that was that was interesting. Yeah, speaking of that, I actually uh, I ate lunch this week uh, with a friend of mine who has like a for realsies podcast, and uh, we we were just talking about the industry and stuff like that. He gets uh, I think a hundred thousand downloads per episode on his, mm-hmm. and I was like. I was like, "Whoa, wow!" I get, I got really excited when I when I got up to 150. Oh, it was so! I was like, "Yay! This is so cool!" He gets like a hundred thousand, and it, um, he has like uh four hundred thousand fans on like Facebook and and stuff like that. And I was like, "Dad, Tom!" And he's like, "Well, I've been doing this for five years, you know, and blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Still, <laughs> I can't even imagine." Anyway. So the last thing we had, Root is moving toward tournament rules. Yeah, they've done some rebalancing. He's been talking about this for, I want to say, a couple months now where there's been ongoing conversations about um, basically just that they found some imbalance imbalances in the factions i don't have the expansion so i've never played with the uh, the lizard folk um and i've only played the game a few times i like it a lot this is another one that i really want to get on the table more um but i did notice that um there were some things like he looks like he tuned the vagabond down a little bit um Basically, you can get to a point where if there's a Vagabond player and he, he'll get victory points for killing some of your guys, so you can't do anything about him because you can't attack him. That'll give him villet, millet, uh, victory points, and if you don't do anything to him at all, then he'll get victory points that way as well. So um, They tuned everything down a little bit um, just to try to balance everything up. I just think this is interesting because, A, it shows that he is, he's listening to his players, which is nice. Um, board Game Geek is usually good for that, where the designers and the developers will listen and provide feedback. Um, it does maybe show that there probably could have been some more playtesting done on this, but it seems like he just wasn't maybe expecting people to play this. You know, competitive games have a different standard for balance than, I don't know what you would call them. Um, not nec- I would guess I would call them experience games. There's games that I play, like a lot of the big games like Here I Stand and Twilight Imperium, games like that, where you're, you obviously want everyone to play to win, but winning is not the highest priority. You're there for the experience and the play. But if you want to have a game with tournament rules and it is going to be a tournament game, then you really need to have everything as close to perfectly balanced as you can. So um, it looks like he's trying to do that. Um, it does actually looks like change one of the faction cards. So I don't know if I'll have to go get a color printer and stick that onto my card or what, how I'm going to deal with that. And then it just makes me think as well. We've talked about this before. Um, I, I, the more I see stuff like this, the more I think that FFG is on to something with just putting the X-Wing rulebook online. And you can go online anytime you want. You've got your current rulebook. They can change it anytime they want. You never have to worry about what's the current errata. So I thought that was interesting. I completely agree with that, with what's called like a living yeah. rulebook, where they can they can just adjust it you know, on the fly. Uh, I, the only thing is, is that, you know, it's... I don't really want to drag my um, my iPad out to the shop and then I drop it or you know something like that. But I completely completely agree with that because it just allows you to adjust it easily. 
I wish they all went yeah. that way. Plus, it's cheaper. Usually, it's free. You know, you, you remove that kind of price point for getting into the game. You know, I swear, I just think it's... I, pretty much, I think it's just Games Workshop, just about nowadays, uh, where they... Um, you know, you have to buy the rule book. You know, everybody else is kind of like, well, let me give you this one so you can spend your money yeah. on other stuff. That's how stuff. GMT is. GMT, you can get all of their rule books online. So you can, you know, there's there's games that I bought from GNT where I went first to their website to read through the rules and just see, you know, what's this game play like? Does this seem like it's going to be fun? So Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I know a lot of people that buy them that way. Oh, that reminds me. I did. I got in my copy of uh, Dungeon Degenerates, yeah. and uh, my friend was like, "Well, hey, um, I, I was looking to download the uh, the rule book, but I can't find it anywhere." And I'm like, "I don't think they do that." So you know, that's just them, and they didn't. They you know, they honestly don't publish any other games. So that that was a thing. So I ended up just giving him my copy and he was like, do you mind if I punch it or whatever? I'm like, no, I don't care. You know, do whatever. Well, you know, cause you're going to take me through this. What do you expect me to re- read the rule book? Never happened. <laughs> Remember kids, if I tell you I read the rule book, I'm lying. <laughs> cause I don't do that. I watch it played and then maybe I'll read it afterward to kind of figure out if you screwed me over or not. But yeah, that's it. Anyway, so that uh, is that it? Does that bring us to the end? I think that's it. We went two hours. Wow, been a long time. And um, yeah, Rich, you've got uh, your monthly game day yeah, coming up. Yeah, this Saturday. Uh, if you're in St. Louis, come on by. We're actually we're not meeting at our normal location this month. Uh, we're actually going to meet at my house. So we'll see how that goes. But um, our our normal location got double booked, and but we'll have some people there, and hopefully I'll have some good games to talk about next time. Mm-hmm. I would love an ASL T-shirt for Christmas. Oh well, that's on my list. I'm still. Uh, I actually talked to Jim uh, a few weeks ago. He hasn't been doing the monthly ASL game days, but he will have a day in January. Usually, like right before the Super Bowl, they have a big uh, game weekend, and I will definitely see him that day. So, but it won't be before Christmas. Before next Christmas, he's he's, he, he's wearing my shirt, Probably, isn't he? Yeah, it's where he's sleeping yeah. <laughs> in it. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a used shirt. <laughs> So, anyway, all right, guys. Well, I guess that's it, and uh, we will see you next time, and hopefully next time have a um, an end-of-the-year thing, retrospective something. So, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Precious Roy, precious Roy, making lots of suckers out of girls and boys.